Good morning, good morning, good morning. Glad you're all here. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 71, and if you've uh, looked in your bulletin, there's kind of a lot of verses here, so be not afraid. We're not going to do every single one of them exactly, but kind of, sort of, we'll see, see how it goes. Um, you know, if you'll look to the person to your right and left for just a second, just kind of take a look at that person and kind of get an impression of who they are. Just, you know, give them, look at the person behind you too, because they're looking at the back of your head. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Those are the people that you've just looked at that pray. Every one of those people, either well or poorly, but every one of those people pray. When I was a little kid, we had this guy that wanted to be a TV evangelist that came to our church. He never succeeded, <laughs> but he wanted to be a TV evangelist, and he was looking for support and so forth, I think to buy a TV more than anything else. But what he said when he was a kid, he was riding his bike and got to the edge of a cliff, and slipped, the rock slipped, and he went over. And he didn't know how to pray, so he just yelled out, God bless America! (laughs) Not sure how well that worked. But he was still with us, so it must have worked all right. You know, praying is a thing that we we give a lot of attention to, but sometimes we also, it's like, am I doing it right? You know? Um, And the reality is that prayer is something that God has has given us as an opportunity to explore things. The, you know, we all, we all kind of wish that we lived in a, everybody shows up and gets a trophy world, but we're just not in that kind of a place. You know, it, it just doesn't work that way, ultimately. And so, as we've gone through the Psalms, we've discovered that whoever was writing the Psalm would include in that Psalm some pretty difficult stuff. Also, they would include in those psalms things like, rush to my aid, God. Where are you, God? Are you attentive at all? I mean, this is in Scripture. There's a part of me that kind of cringes when you hear, hear that. You know, If I heard somebody that I knew that was praying... you know, or even just said out loud, I don't think God even listens to me. It would make my heart hurt a little bit. And so each one of the Psalms then lays out the, the deep expression of things. And if we look at the 71st Psalm, the first eight verses, it says, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the evil and cruel men. For you have been my hope, O sovereign God, my confidence since my youth, from birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become like a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise 
declaring your splendor all day long. Now, leave that up there, if you would, for just a second. Look at all the words that he used. If you can go back there up to verse 1, there it would be best. Look at all the words that he used, or she, whoever wrote this. It doesn't tell us in in Scripture. He, this person says, uh, save me from shame, rescue me, deliver, turn your ear to me, save me. You uh, uh, deliver me. All these words of things like, um, well, just cries of help. I'm in despair. I'm in. I'm in shame. I'm in hopelessness. I'm. I'm in these places where I wish I were not. And in each of those places, it's contrasted by him calling out God with these names. Refuge, rock, fortress, confidence, my God. You know, in the studies of this passage, there's only five psalms in the whole book of psalms that doesn't have a title. This is one of them. There's Most of them we know who wrote them. Because it says a psalm of David or a psalm of Korah or, uh, you know, it, it says who wrote the psalm. And so we have some background about the person writing it and the circumstances that they found themselves to be in this place where they're crying out these things. This psalm doesn't have any of that. In a later verse that we're going to look at, it's, it, it seems to indicate that it's an older person who is praying these things or saying these things. <coughs> A person who's had experience. A person who has seen things in life. You see, that's where the basis of prayer comes from. While we'd like this world to be a different kind of place where people cared about each other and truly loved them and and that there was this sense of acceptance and warmth and there was never any wars and there were never any sicknesses and there were never any people that were moving into retirement homes. There were never people who could not function because of some physical ailment. We would love to have a world like that. There are people that are giving their lives and their efforts to seeing if they couldn't bring something of that to some space where they can make a difference. In fact, many people spend all of their resources to make a difference, even if it's small. Why would we do that? It's because we live in a world that's broken. So let's accept that fact. Let's accept that this world isn't any of those things, though some of it exists, and that's because God's people and people of love and character try to do good things. But that's just a reflection of God. But the world is not necessarily that. I'm sorry if I'm giving you bad news. (laughs) Uh, It's just so. It's just so. This person would not have said, God, be my refuge, if there was not something to run away from. He wouldn't say, God, you're my fortress, if there were not wars and difficulties that beset us. He wouldn't say, God, save me, if there wasn't something to be saved from. 
Does that make sense? So as this person is saying these things to God, he's crying out the reality of existence and saying, God, be my God in this reality. Hmm. Hmm. Sometimes that's tough and people don't necessarily want to hear it. They don't want to be reminded of the fact that, you know, life's tough. But it's also good. It's a contrast. And it is both things. And so, and so the writer can say, God, you're my hope. Deliver me from the hand of the wicked. Let me take refuge in you. Let me not be put to shame because I am in you. Rescuing, delivering me in your righteousness. Not my righteousness. Rescue and deliver me from unrighteousness. My own unrighteousness and everyone else's in your righteousness that I might be able to experience that in the center of unrighteousness. In your righteousness. This person has experienced these things. He's, he's felt and seen and, and said. And so he says, do these things. So then key verse here. Verses 5 and 6. He says, for you have been my hope. You have been my hope, O Sovereign Lord, my confidence since youth. See, a lot of people who teach this and preach this passage, they, they do so for senior citizens. Because it is, a, it is a psalm that seems to indicate somebody that's had a life of experience. But it says to the youth, start now. Start now to catalog these things. What is the Psalms except a catalog of prayers? You know, it was even this morning. I, I, I was looking. I, I love to look for things that I can add in, just kind of as illustrations. But even this morning, there was a, a, a little thing on a news program where somebody is taking microphones and going out into the wilderness and recording silence. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds weird, but what they mean by that is. The natural sounds of nature, the birds and the frogs and the, you know, just the wind in the trees and, and so forth. You know, they call them quaky, quaking aspen because if the wind's blowing, it makes that noise. You, you guys know what I mean. He's recording those things to catalog them because he's afraid that they're going away in the noise of society. People catalog the events of history and they're called historians. People catalog music because... Music is a beautiful thing and should be cataloged. There's art museums that catalog art. There's all kinds of collections. You can go on the internet and find literally anything because somebody's collecting it. What the psalmist is saying here is, look, God, here's a collection of the things of life that you have been my God through. You were my God when I felt ashamed. You were my God when I felt afraid. You were my God when I felt joy. You were my God in all things. And here's the catalog, God. I bring these before you just to say, God, I know. I know. I've experienced. And I know you are there. Even when I don't feel you there. Hmm. Hmm. 
even from my youth. From my mother's womb, you brought me forth, he says in these passages. It doesn't, it isn't something that an old person goes, aha, God has been with me through my life. I, it, it's funny, the Ray always asks for a title of the sermon. <laughs> I hate to title sermons, I, you know, because then I've stuck with it, <laughs> you know. And so usually I try to think seriously about what the title is to give you some sort of a thing to say, that's, that's what you heard today. And, but I was feeling a little funny on the day that she asked, and so I said, pray like a pro. <laughs> pray like a pro. And, and Brenda said, what does that mean? And I said, well, you know, a pro has to have a certain amount of experience to be a professional. You either have to pass a test to be a pro, or you have to go through high school, college, and then, then get drafted by the pros in order to be a pro, right? You have to really be tested. You have to have the experience. You have to have shown some ability in that area in order to be a pro at it. That's what this is about. Because praying is life. It's not necessarily something... Let me say it this way. Some of you can pray prayers that I am so jealous of you for being able to pray that way. Oh, my goodness. I listen to some of the ways that you pray when you speak out loud, and it's like, that's almost like a song. That is so beautiful. I wish I could do that. My prayers are usually, oh, God, help! (laughs) You know? (laughs) Or... God, are you seeing what's going on? You know? But some of you can say such beautiful things in prayer. And both of those are prayer because it's life. And when you pray like a pro, you pray because you're tested. And life has tested you. That's what gives depth and meaning and power to God's presence in your life. Tests are inevitable. Sorry. (laughs) Suffering is inevitable. All of us are going to die, and that means you're going to mourn someone. And you probably already have. Sicknesses come. You may have to face them. Or face them with someone who is. It's inevitable. Wars comes, thieves steal, bullies bully. It happens. So prayer is life. Because it's going before God and saying, God, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I know. Correct where I'm wrong. Encourage where I'm afraid. Give me strength where I'm weak. Make the powerful less powerful and and so that they cannot destroy. Praying like a pro is taking what really is and going before God and acknowledging to him what it is. It's clear from the Psalms that you can pray anything to God at all. 
at all. You can tell a guy that you're just absolutely ticked off and mad at him. You can express your anger before God. He's not threatened. He's not afraid. He wants you to come and say, here's the truth, God, as I see it. We wouldn't have this collection of all these psalms that say those things if it were not so. Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said in the garden, if this cup can pass, there's another way. But not my will, yours be done. Hmm. So think about it. What can you pray that you cannot pray? Hmm. The 71st Psalm says that really clearly. You know, two of the songs that we sang this morning quoted the 71st Psalm. I don't know if you knew that when you picked them. The one, it says, when my strength is failing. Just go over a couple verses. If I can find it. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me until I declare your power to the great generations, your might to all who are to come. Um, he said earlier, when my, when my strength is failing, because he's talking about being old. He's talking about being in the end of time. Um, and that was quoted in that one song. It also says uh, that often we're frightened away. Hmm. Let's look at their next verses. He says, Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. But as for me, I will always hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign God. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Francis Chan, in his book, The Forgotten God, in his introduction, says, you know, um, we often um, forget one aspect of God that is so much about what prayer is that it needs to be said. And that is the Holy Spirit. He says we forget the Holy Spirit because, oh, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about God and it's really, it's really great to talk about Jesus, but we forget that the Holy Spirit came to give us help. Jesus said he'd be, in Greek, he called it the paraclete, the, the friend that grasps you more closely than a brother. 
the one who is there all the time, no matter what. We often miss that because we don't do what this psalmist is saying, which is just to cry it out and listen. To let him be the hope. Let him be the strength. Let him be those things. We try to achieve it in our own strength. We say, God, help me, which really what we're saying is, I can get most of the way there, God. If you can just push me a little over the top, I'll be good. You know? Um, or we, we say, uh, God, I, I'm feeling a little discouraged. Can you give me a little encouragement? Because I'm, I'm, I think I can get out of this. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. But if you just give me a little bit of something, I'll... See, God calls us to prayer so that the Holy Spirit can be recognized as present all the time. When I was a little kid, I tell the story a lot because it so, it so overcomes me sometimes. As a little kid, I was about, oh, I don't know, what are you in, in third grade? About nine, eight, something like eight? Yeah. <clears throat> it was in St. Louis, Missouri on a, on a place called Hartman Court in the kitchen. And I was, I was in the kitchen and it was just a regular day. We'd been out playing baseball. And I'd come in, and it'd been a pretty cool day, and I'd have a pretty good time, my friends and I, and, you know, and I'm standing there in the kitchen, and, I'm, and I don't remember exactly the whole context, but I just, I said, you know what, God, I really love you. There was a presence. It felt warm. My emotions went over the top. I remember thinking, wow, this is so powerful. I ran out of the kitchen scared to death because I didn't know what I'd done. I thought I'd done something. I mean, it was so overwhelming and it was so out of my experience, I didn't know what it was. And I ran because it scared me to death. I didn't tell anybody for years. So I thought maybe it was some weird sort of, you know, something. But later in life, I began to understand that as a little child, just honestly crying out, I love you. I got a hug. And it was so real. I don't know what your experiences are. I don't know what they are, but catalog them. Keep them as treasures. Remember them when you need help and hope. Remember them when people attack. That's what the Psalms are for. But more importantly, that's what your prayers are for. Verses 17 and after, teachers often, teachers of the word, that is, often like to quote this verse to themselves. It says, Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, and do not, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation. 
your might to all who are to come. Hear that again. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me. And to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Prayer is the place that you learn to do just that. Prayer is the place you can receive teaching, but it's the place that you can learn to teach. How did I, how did I come to know who God is? Somebody had to teach me. Where did you learn who he is? And who was that person? What motivated them to teach you that? What role did the Holy Spirit empower that teaching for you? What role did he play in that process? And here's the thing that's amazing about it. You get two, too. You get two, too. Isaiah was in the temple. He seemed to have been there by himself. And suddenly the temple was filled with the presence of God. And Isaiah was overcome. I bet he wanted to run just like I did, but he couldn't. He he was frozen in place. And recognizing the holiness of God, he said, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips, which means basically I say bad stuff. I just say bad stuff. My lips are unclean. How can I say anything good in the presence of the Lord because I've got so much bad that I've said before? I think we approach God in prayer sometimes that way. How can I pray to God when I have so many things in my heart that are just a mess? How many times have you been praying to God and that thought comes in your head that you just hate to have come into your head when you're praying and it always comes and you just... That frights my soul away, like we sang. Right? I'm a man of unclean lips. And so a cherubim gets a, a coal from the, the brazier that's there, and he puts it on Isaiah's lips, and he said, no, you're clean. Made clean by God. Made clean in the presence of God. You may speak, is what he's saying. And then God says, who's going to take our message? There's a message that needs to be delivered. Who's going to take it? And he said, here am I. Send me. You cleaned my lips. Here am I. Send me. (laughs) Wow. That's what the Holy Spirit does within us when we pray. When Samuel, the prophet, was a little boy, well, actually, even before that, his mother didn't have any kids. And and in that time, for a a woman not to have kids, that was not a good thing. They didn't have Social Security. 
So usually the age differential between husbands and wives was pretty great. So usually the husband passed away when the wife was still somewhat young. And so their social security program was either she'd marry one of his brothers or the children would take care of her. Today, to this day in China, the oldest child takes care of the parents. That's how it works. So to not have kids would have been kind of a bad thing, if you can see why. And she didn't have any kids, and she prayed to God. She prayed to God, oh, God, please, 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 give me a child, give me a child, give me a child, give me a child, over and over and continually. Finally, she said, God, if you give me a child, I'll give him to you. So she had a child, and she named him Samuel, and she took him down to the temple, and she said, this, this child is God's. He's going to serve. Well, the kid didn't know. I mean, he's living with Eli, the, the uh, chief priest, and Eli's kids are nutty, you know, if you read the whole story. They're kind of a mess. And, and he just doesn't know what he's going to do. I mean, he doesn't know how to... I mean, he's, he's not with mom and dad anymore. He's living at the temple, and in, you know, and... And he hears this voice in the night, and he goes running to Eli, and he says, what do you need? Eli says, well, I didn't call you. Okay. He says, go back to bed. Pretty soon, Samuel hears another voice, the same voice, and he gets up, and he runs to Eli, and he says, Eli, Eli I'm hearing a voice. What, what do I do? And you know, it happens three times, as these things always do. And finally, Eli says to him, this time when the voice comes, answer. So the voice comes and says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, here I am. Here I am. That's the essence of prayer. Here I am. Send me. Teach me. Show me, heal me, save me, be my rock, be my fortress, be my refuge. Here I am. Want to pray like a pro? Stand naked before God. Reveal everything there is. Keep nothing hidden. Let him see all those things. Let him know all those things. He already does anyway. But the point is that you know them before him too. Because he's called you to teach the next generation, the ones to come, of what it means to stand in his presence and be known. Hmm. These last several verses... Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God. You who have done great things, who, O God, is like you. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort and comfort me once again. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness Oh my God, I will sing praise to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. 
My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have redeemed. My tongue will tell of your righteousness, righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Hmm. You've made me see troubles, many bitter, and you will restore my life again. What better way to say, I know the truth that is all around me, and I trust you. I have seen things that have been harsh and difficult, and I trust you still. I'll praise you because you have redeemed me. Hmm. The world will never be eaten. But Jesus said, I have gone to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you might be also. If it were not so, I'd have told you. For in my Father's house are many mansions. Mm. I don't want to put too fine a point on what I think heaven's going to be like because it's only described in the briefest terms, but we know it'll be better than here. We know that we'll be with him forever. And he says, this place will prepare you It'll make your heart and your soul know me. That when you get there, there will not be culture shock. You'll, you'll be in the place where you know it has been prepared just for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for prayer. We thank you that your Holy Spirit will indwell us in, your, in prayers that we give to you. We, Lord, each of us face trials and testing. We see great joys we have love for one another. We eat and we drink and we give you praise. And Lord, we know that you are calling us to a higher place. You're calling our minds to deeper understanding. You're calling our hearts to a deeper way of loving. You're calling our actions to be in line with your will. And so, Lord, we live in a place that is broken and sometimes perverse and yet has great and wonderful things as well. They can distract and it can turn our heads. But, Lord, we call on you to teach our hearts that we might teach the next generation of your goodness, your love, and your grace and your faithfulness to your people. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.